in a constantly changing world. Today is as simple as it gets. You're listening to The Leadership Enigma, a podcast to explore, experiment, and power up your leadership to make the difference to your business, your people, and your success. Whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or corporate executive, each week we dig deep into global experts, academics, rising stars, ambitious upstarts, and disruptors. Now, here's your host, Adam Pacifico. So if you're anything like me, I'm rubbish at DIY. So if I try and put up a bookshelf or build a unit and I haven't quite got my measurements correct, then it's going to end in disaster. And this episode is all about alignment. And the title of this is called The Sweet Spot. So I'm delighted that I've got Katie Best with me for this one. So Katie, hi. Hi, Adam. How are you? Very good, thanks. You? I'm delighted that you've joined us for another episode of The Leadership Enigma. Now, Katie is the founder and director of Taylor Best. She got her PhD from King's College, uh, former MBA director at BPP, and she's had a number of roles at both Pearson and the London School of Economics. And currently, she's coaching and consulting to many businesses across sectors. And so welcome <laughs> so much to the Leadership Enigma. Well, let's start with the title. What do we mean by the sweet spot? So in my head, if I think about someone being a leader, I think about all the different challenges that they face as a leader. So there's expectations on them from their company. Right. There's expectations from their team. And there's the expectations that they have on themselves. And if we think about this, I mean, not to get too mathematical about it, but like a Venn diagram, three overlapping circles. Yeah. The sweet spot is that point right in the middle where their own approach to leadership mm -hmm. Where what their company expects and what their team expects all overlap perfectly. That is the dream. That is the sweet spot. You know, I'm drawing that as you were saying that. I've drawn three diagrams that all overlap, and it's that little piece in the middle where they all overlap. Yeah, that little intersection, that little point there, that is what you're aiming for. So we work with leaders, and I know you do too. Uh, and sometimes we break things down about leading self, leading teams, and leading the organization. So how can we apply that, or what do we apply when we're looking at the sweet spot? So what, we, what I would normally do if I'm working with a leader on this is get them, first of all, to think about what it is that they as a leader want to be, how they want to be, how they would like to lead, what is right for them, their personality, the way that they like to do things. Okay. Um, and... Often that's a bit of a self-audit that can be quite revealing. Some people absolutely hate that process. They find it so uncomfortable, um, but that's okay. <laughs> there are lots of techniques we can use, you know, that I use that people use to try and understand that. And once you know what kind of leader you are, you've then got the opportunity to think about what your team expects of you and what your company expects of you. And very often people are quite surprised and it's almost a revelation to realize why what they've been doing, how they've been getting it wrong, how it doesn't quite fit the setting that they're in. So does this differ from job to job? If someone can actually go from feeling aligned in one organization to then feeling misaligned in another organization? Massively. I mean, if you think about different types of culture in different companies, somewhere can be very democratic and really have people that they employ who respond really well to a very democratic style of leadership. You can then go into another company, which is used to a much more autocratic approach with lots more top down leadership. And this is how things are done. Right. 
you as a leader can then feel really uncomfortable in that setting. And when you try and apply your very democratic style, you can wonder why it backfires with lots of people staring at you open mouth, just thinking, hmm, why can't this person tell me what I'm supposed to do? So can this also, I mean, sometimes I meet leaders who have gone on international assignments and have had varying degrees of success. Yeah, absolutely. If you look at the things like Hofstede's cultural dimensions, where it looks at how masculine or feminine a culture is, how individualistic a culture is or more collective, it can really explain why some of those things jar. And so when I talk about the fact that it's your organisation, your team and you as an individual, three different leadership styles, that's really just a very simple way of thinking about it. There are so many more layers on top of that. There can be what your peers expect of you. Um, your company, your your country culture, sorry, Um, the different departments in your organisation. It just goes on and on, all these overlapping expectations on you as a leader. So Katie, if a leader is moving into a new role, uh, a new region, a new division or department, uh, are there some tips that you can give them in relation to how they might move through these stages to try and understand their sweet spot and ensure success if possible? Yeah, the first thing that they probably need to do is check that from the information that they can get before they move, are they a good fit? Is there anything that's happening that rings alarm bells that perhaps the way that they currently lead isn't right for this setting? Such Um, as, can you give us an example, Katie, of that? Yeah, such as if you were going into a um, new company or a new department and they had a really flexible working policy, it can be something as practical as that. And you're just not used to leading in an environment where it's very flexible. So thinking about, is that something that you can adjust to as a leader? Can you cope with leading that kind of team where they've got a lot more autonomy? Than you're used to right or is that going to be a deal breaker for you are you going to find that too hard to do and I recently worked with a couple of partners coached a couple of partners in a in a law firm in London right um, and they had exactly that problem they were lateral hires so they hadn't come oh. up the ranks in that company in the law firm they had been brought in they were very very anti-flexible working for some reason So it hadn't come up in their recruitment process at all, somehow. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they find themselves saddled, as far as they see it, with teams who expect really high levels of autonomy and flexibility relative to the rest of the sector. So this sounds Um, like trying to slam a round peg into a square hole. Yeah, and that's often what it feels like. So that leader isn't necessarily at fault. We might have particular things that we glorify in leadership now. So, you know, we might think that, all leaders have to be authentic and um, very democratic. And that's not actually always the case. Those types of leaders just don't fit in some companies. We need to be more realistic. You know, some of us can't and don't want to be like that. Um, Some companies don't need that. Some companies really do. So this is about doing a little bit of due diligence then. And I assume this is also relevant if you're moving within your own organisation. You may be moving up or moving laterally yourself within maybe a large multinational. Absolutely, because there are so many subcultures in an organisation and you often don't realise just how different one department or one region is to another until you're actually transported and then the expectations are so different. 
Okay, so say the leader has now got to their destination, wherever that might be. Um, what are the things that they might be able to do in relation to the team that they're now leading or inheriting? Mm. Well, they've got choices. So if they spot that they've got a challenge in that they are very different to what the team is expecting, mm -hmm. they've got three main choices. Okay. One is they can move to become more like what the team expects. The second is that they can encourage the team to move closer to them. Or the third thing that they can do is do nothing. <laughs> right. Yeah, ignoring it perhaps <laughs> at their peril. And mm. now I think you call this change bridging or ignoring. Is, is that right? Exactly, exactly. Okay. Um, and I think with the bridge, I mean, with the bridging, we can, we can kind of add, add a bit more on to what I've just said. You can get someone in the team to be almost a translator right. um, who understands your perspective and understands the perspective of the team and helping you both to work together and remove some of that friction. In some ways, that sounds a little like onboarding. Yeah, I think it is. But I think often we don't think about up onboarding. We don't think about the fact that if you've got a leader being ported into a team, that that team has got some responsibility to onboard them. From a leadership perspective. Yeah, and just what they expect. Everyone sits there and assumes that the new leader is going to know how things are done around here. And I assume that the more, the more senior someone is or the more experienced someone is, is there more hesitance to do that for, for that person? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, the, the analogy that I always use if the people in the room are old enough is the Be Here Now album, Oasis's Be Here Now album. I'm, I'm old enough, definitely. There that, we so. go. And I'm guessing probably most of the listeners will be. So, uh, All two of them. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Let's hope it's more than that. <laughs> um, so there, there were two things on that. One is who on earth let them drive that very expensive car into a swimming pool? That's a clear example, isn't it, of someone not of not being prepared to say no to someone who is more, you know, ostensibly more successful and uh, higher up in the power dynamic than you. It's also the reason why you've got something like a hundred recordings of the same. I believe it's guitar solo on quite a few of the songs because no one just said, no, this is ridiculous. We don't need this. It's not making the song any better. So actually, is it a bravery that's required? Because I know in some cultures, there's a deference to hierarchy, isn't there? Where I assume some people would dare not intervene in the, the onboarding of someone very senior, uh, you know, with a view that they, they must know everything they need to know. Yeah, I think it's not just thinking that they need, that they must already know it. It's actually being scared to be the person who says that they don't know it because that may not come across very well. You would hope that a leader could cope with that and would actually want to hear it. But we all know that's not always true. Even of ourselves, sometimes it can be really hard to receive difficult feedback, especially when you're new at doing something. So it sounds, Katie, you're talking about elements of, of self-awareness and vulnerability from a leader. Yeah, absolutely. If they can manage it, if they can do it, then that's going to really help get people to come and talk to them and say what they're expecting, where things aren't going right, um, and helping them to bring that alignment to literally find the sweet spot between their leadership style and the team that they're leading. Okay, this is great advice because this really helps somebody make that, that transition uh, quickly and successfully. Yeah, and you would hope so, right? Because I think often not knowing where to start can be one of the most terrifying things when you're leading a new team or a new group. 
but it gives you a really clear focus. You think about how you are as a leader, what that team expects from you as a leader, and then you can troubleshoot any problems that you find. So Katie, let me ask you another question because sometimes we, when we're doing leadership work, we come across that conundrum of people being concerned about having to lead experts, leading people who know more than the leader does from a technical ability. It's classically, it's the CEO of an airline company who's never been a pilot. It might be the CEO of a healthcare industry who's never been a medic. So is that also <laughs> relevant here where, where someone is trying to lead experts? Yeah, I think if we look across the sort of the professional services sector, so your accountants, your lawyers, your academics, and yep. the wider group financial services, um, you regularly find that leaders are having to deal with people who have more expertise in particular areas. And there is a degree of vulnerability required with that to admit that you don't know something and that you have to defer a decision downwards. Um, but why not, as a leader, be brave about admitting that? And also, this is the journey for many leaders when they move away from their siloed discipline more to the enterprise leader. So they're not going to know as much as the specialists, are they? No, absolutely not. There was that amazing article by Michael Porter in Harvard Business Review a few years ago, which I came back across this week, right. saying how the biggest mistake that a CEO makes in the first few months of being ceo is thinking that they can know everything and control everything and you become a much better ceo once you step away from that mindset and in the current climate no one knows anything anymore so we've that's all how become... it feels yeah exactly <laughs> so we yeah we've all become novices so we can all learn together so move us on to the third element then about the organizational requirements and the fit there yeah so this is i mean it's not to just repeat the same thing you know obviously if you move into a new organization you've got your team and your organization you need to pay attention to mm -hmm. but actually this comes up even when someone's been in a company for years and years okay and it can be a real eye-opener to get them to think about what the natural leadership style that they have or that they desire versus what their company expects and often even if you've worked somewhere for you know what would be a high number these days 10 years yeah there could still be a real mismatch between what how you naturally are and what your organization is expecting but you've survived in that company for that and many you, years and katie have you come across an example of that you, no, we don't have to, to name any any organization names but have you come across a, a good example of someone in an organization who's found that challenge yeah, it's rife like every time i run this exercise with a group of senior leaders there will be multiple, multiple ways they're different. I think part of that is we are just never going to be completely culturally cohesive. It's impossible. We're individuals. There will be ways that we differ from the company that we work for. Um, and that's okay. Where it's really interesting to look and pick it apart is if you've got areas that you're really struggling. So where I've worked with people where this has been really interesting mm -hmm. has been, for example, someone who is so someone I recently worked with had had children um, and she'd gone back to work still working very very hard and she was there was a piece of work going on in the company she worked for about whether people whether all of the leaders in the organization were good role models right and lots of the feedback was no you are not a good role model in this organization because we are a put people first organization and the way that you carry on I can't try to be like you. 
Right. Um, I'm not saying that with any judgment. I think every woman has got the, and man has got the right to go back to work and work in the way that suits them and their family. But it was interesting that in a company that had this strong put people first focus, her behavior was seen to be really out of kilter with what you would expect a senior leader to do. Now, it's not necessarily a solvable problem for her because perhaps to remain a senior leader in the culture, how else is she going to do it? So it created this really interesting dialogue at, at the top level around what a role model looks like when it comes to maternity leave, paternity leave, and then returning to work. Well, that's a, that's a really interesting example. And I think one of the things that flows from that, as I listen to that story, Katie, is, is congruence, is are we as leaders, are leaders within organisations behaving in a way that is congruent to the values of the organisation? Yeah, and sometimes it's so hard. Yeah, no, I've been caught out myself. And it takes someone else to have the confidence, quite right, and point out and say, listen, what you're doing isn't quite congruent. And you, and you reflect and you say, yeah, very true. Let me change mm. that. So I was going to say, it's often those small actions, like the eating lunch at your desk, that reflect the mismatch. It's yep. not the big stuff. It's the small stuff. And it's the small stuff that counts, isn't it? Because everything yeah. is seen and everything is heard when it comes to somebody's leadership. So any other key tips for people then in relation to how they might you know, find their sweet spot? So obviously, we've got self-reflection yep. in terms of finding it for yourself. We've got, if you're thinking about your team, asking them, try and having honest conversations with them around what it is that they expect. And if you don't feel that they're being honest, coming up with other ways that you can try and gather that data, whether it's an anonymized questionnaire or whether it's getting someone who runs another team to ask on your behalf, trying to really tap into what it is that they're looking for and using your eyes and your ears as much as you can with that. And then also vigilance as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm skirting around the word mindfulness because I I don't want to overuse it. But I think there's something in that kind of territory that can be quite helpful. Okay. So let me summarize then, uh, Katie, with with three takeaways and uh, and help me if I've got any of these wrong. So one, I mean, absolutely critical to identify what all three parties want uh, and spot where there are clashes. And when we talk about all three parties, we talk about the self, the team and the organization. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so two, people can deal with clashes through, now I think we described it as change, bridging, or simply ignore it. Yes, and I would just say that the ignoring, there's not a problem sometimes with ignoring it. Sometimes things will go away. It can be small and you can make minor adjustments, but largely ignore it, especially if you know that someone is moving on or you're moving on or there's a, there's a restructure happening or something. Right, ignoring gotcha. isn't always a terrible strategy. Gotcha. So each of those actually has its merits. Yeah. Okay. And in longer terms, really, um, you're always going to be happier if you take a leadership role and make sure that you're aligned. Absolutely. And that's a really important part of the recruitment process. It's the whole, you're interviewing them as much as they are you. If you struggle to come up with those questions and work out what it is that you want to know from a company you're going to work for, here you've got some really good meaty things that you can ask them that might help you to check that you're going to be a good fit. And almost work out your own Venn diagram to see whether the sweet spot is in place. Yeah, absolutely. And you can draw it as well. So if I run... Just like I did. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And you get people to draw it and that's often when it's really enlightening. Katie, brilliant. All right, well, I've got, a, I've got three questions to ask you. I've been asking people towards the end of each episode. So share with us, what's your, what's your greatest hobby? 
Oh, well, mine changes regularly. My greatest hobby is probably that I'm just a total butterfly and like to have a new hobby every few months. <laughs> At the moment, in keeping with probably half the population, I am having a um, another go round of Marie Kondoing my house and clearing things out, checking things spark joy um, and loving it as much as I did when I did it the first time. So, yeah, that's great. OK, good. And what's your favourite word? So... This word that has been subject to a lot of heated debates uh, in my oh, family when I was a I'm kid. I'm intrigued. The word is saffonsified, which means that you have eaten sufficient. My so, mum and dad. Now tell us that yeah, again, Katie. Sophonsified. Sophonsified. Right. Wow. So it means that you've eaten sufficient. Uh, okay. My mum and dad swore that I'd made it up. <laughs> and I was like, no, I definitely haven't. And I couldn't find it anywhere for years. And then Googled it about six months ago and found out that it's a very obscure Canadian word that I'd obviously read when I was reading Margaret Atwood for GCSE or A-levels. You were way um, ahead of your time, Katie. There you go. So then, so, so now Safonsified, having thought it was a created word, I have reclaimed it. It is a I, real word. I do love that. I may use that on my children, but that's just between <laughs> us. And Katie, what would be the best piece of advice that you would give to your 21-year-old self? Spend less money on stuff and more money on experiences and buying time with friends and family. I couldn't agree more. Katie, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on this episode. I hope you'll come back to us and share some more insights on the Leadership Enigma in a couple of months' time. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Adam, for having me. Take care. Take care. Bye. Join us again next week for more essential insights on the Leadership Enigma. We'd love to hear your comments on today's show, as well as suggestions for future topics and guests. Get in touch with your host on LinkedIn or via our website, www.pca-global.com. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for listening.